Welcome to Foreign Devs, episode 13, the countdown to Laracon Atlanta. I'm Yanni yes. and... I'm Victor. Welcome aboard. Welcome, welcome. What's going on, Yanni? Uh, I think I'm going to pronounce some more names wrong in this episode, but... Um, okay, it's, well, I can I've, get with I've that. Done, I've done it plenty, <laughs> plenty through the history of Foreign Devs, and uh, you know, I, I want to attribute that... In, just certain things to um, being a result of being a solo developer a lot of the time or a solo developer. I thought you were going to uh, say being a foreign developer, but okay. Well, yeah, I can't, <laughs> I can't always blame it on being foreign. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was the kid in high school where teacher, you know, first day of the year, teacher would look at first name and you'd just hear the pause. I skip over to the last name. You know, you could just read the confusion, and then the other <laughs> students by then would go, "Oh, that's Yanni." You know, that's you Yanni. didn't have to have to say anything. <laughs> so, funny. so um, yeah, but uh, you know, when you don't talk or you don't rubber duck things with someone else, you don't collaborate in person. Um, you're not always confident when that actual term comes to mind. And I find it all the time with technical terms and so forth. You know, I've been saying it in my head a million times. I've been reading it, but right. when it comes to actually saying it, I'm like, I start doubting myself. Right. Um, and what, what's it's that syndrome, um, the imposter Impo- syndrome. Imposter you know, syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that has something to do with it. Well, so, I, I got to tell you, I have a little bit of imposter syndrome with English in general. And, and this is something that my wife and I talk about. There's some words that I have to practice and I've learned throughout the years to, to, to pronunciate correctly. Right. And it's, it's a, it's a process for me. It's not, it's not my first language and I've had to work on it, you know, to not sound, you know, weird on certain words. And there's just certain words that I still, I kind of avoid in my language in general. It's like, okay, I'm just not going to use that word because I know that in passing, I'm not going to be able to nail it. So I'm just going to skip it. And oh, use a different I, I, do, I do the same thing. I do the same thing. One word I never skip on is huge. H-U-G-E. Oh, yeah. I remember you, oh, yeah. you give me a lot of yeah, it's huge. stuff for that. Yeah. Huge. So, so some of the videos I did with the automotive company, uh, and they're not hard to track down if anyone wants to spend <laughs> a lot of time and laugh. Um, I just was pulling them up for something i think just gathering up some old videos and i just glanced at the comments of one of them and someone wrote up wrote out did he just say why you 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 <laughs> so i was laughing about that one uh, well our president yeah. says huge too so you know i guess you were just you know ahead of your time <laughs> he says it all the maybe. time every maybe, time he maybe. says it i'm like does he know the h has you know it's not silent there's an h there but it's not silent you know yeah. what's funny is i was gonna actually bring up the the huge thing i've heard you say huge and then i'm like i'm almost like doubting myself like did i miss something i'm pretty sure it's huge but i don't know <laughs> but yeah yep. whose name are you gonna miss this time let's find out yeah we'll see we'll see <laughs> just to change up the topic a little bit i've been um Going through resumes, and um, we are hiring. You know, I know you you you've kind of started your own segment on tips and you know things like that. And I could tell you that none of these applicants have listened to the podcast because they've <laughs> they've all done just about everything you said. <laughs> you know, one one thing that I did, and I'm sure 
I didn't come up with it. I mean, in my head, I've never seen anybody do it, but I'm sure I didn't come up with it. What, what I did was I added um, an optional assignment to the job application. It's not really optional. I mean, I'd really want to see you kind of take that assignment and knock it out of the park, right? And really show me that you want this job. Yeah. But but you wouldn't believe how many people- Don't put, do it. Don't do it. I would say 60 to 70% of the people don't do it. And the people that do do it have, I mean, some of them have been good. Some of them, I can tell they just slap together. I mean, some of, the, some of it almost looks like they just put music to it and called it a day. And uh, I have gotten some good ones though, but obviously there's, there's always, there's always sort of that, that hidden message that when you're interviewing, it's hard to get to know somebody right in an interview, but the fact that you are not willing to kind of put the time to do the assignment already kind of. Yeah. Oh, it paints a big picture. You know, it kind of kills it for me. Um, now I do understand, you know, everybody's busy and, you know, I try to, to still get past that, but none of the applicants that I've felt that I least deserve to go to step two have not done the assignment. So every single one that has not done the assignment has been almost an automatic rejection, almost yeah. right off the bat. Most of them have. So it really, really speaks sort of the the type of character, but you know, finding the right fit for the for that type of position or a lot of different positions, especially, you know, developer positions is very, very, very difficult. Very, oh, yeah. very difficult. You you know, it's um and before I go into anything, one thing I wanna make clear to anyone listening is, you know, we're not looking to make fun of any anyone. You know, um if we happen to mention something about you or someone you know or someone you know who applied we're not making fun of them. Um, we make fun of, or we spend the bulk of our days making fun of each other. Um, <laughs> yes, we do. If, you know, there's something wrong if on any given day, we can't laugh at the things we do ourselves. So, so, uh, yeah, don't take offense little, to it. I promise. Yeah, We're, yeah, we don't mean little, bad of it. We're just no, no. letting it all out. So you remember Sergio? I do. Okay, so Sergio's backstory on him was he um, he was studying at a good school. He was studying in the medical field, and uh, one day he just said, "You know what? This isn't what I'm passionate about." And he could have gone on. You know, he's the kind of guy who, if he applies himself, he could have you know gone on to really do anything. Uh, he had all the opportunities, but he said. I want to focus on videos. That's what I'm passionate about. And he had no experience, but he saw, you know, videos he liked and he said, I think I can do that. And he is the guy, if you tell him to go climb a mountain, he's going to climb a mountain. There's not going to be a, oh, you you serious? You know, he's, he's going to get the shot, you know, um, but most importantly, he's always going to just keep pushing himself. So over the past two years, you know, I've seen since uh, we've, kind of went our own ways with our careers. Um, you know, I've seen bits and pieces of his work and he now works for a, a very high-end uh, automotive dealership, uh, worldwide recognized, uh, specializes in very, very, very high-end exotics in Miami. And there's okay. only a few of these dealerships. But um, I saw a photo he had done of a Pagani. And I mean, 
this could have been from any, you know, uh, recognized photographer out there, any recognized automotive photographer. But I feel so proud that he's just, you know, kept on polishing that little extra bit and just never given up on it. And, and just crushing um, it, crushing just it, crushing man. it, passionate about it. it. I love it. it. And, I love uh, it. You know, it's uh, uh, just, you know, the other day I thought about that, you know, he had this opportunity to go, you know, pursue a medical career and probably do extremely well with it, but he followed his heart and uh, allowed that to shape, you know, his skill set. I think that's awesome. That's that's incredibly commendable. It, 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 and, the and whole you, you reason I bring it. Go ahead. Yeah, no, you missed a little bit of the story. So, so Yanni and him used to work together at the car place before yeah, Yanni's yeah. current in, job in the so, automotive industry. So, in the and automotive that was when he was so, yeah. just his first, just starting out. Yeah, just completely fresh and. And he didn't even have any any samples to really show other than he had gone on this trip to South Africa and uh, just created an amazing uh, video uh, blog. blog. And um, yeah, yeah, I just saw the potential. And uh, that is, to me, the hardest thing to find is someone who's driven. Uh, you can find someone with skills, but just finding that that drive that will take their skills to the next level is for me, really hard. And when I find that person, usually, you know, it becomes a very long-term relationship. Do you think that, you know, and I know you've hired for basically the same position that I'm, that I'm hiring for. Do you think that a good photographer that does video is as good as a videographer? Would you, would you think that I'm struggling to find videographers. I'm finding a lot of amazing photographers that say they do video. What's the sort of, what has been your experience with the correlation between the photographers and the videographers? See, I've always felt, or from experience, you know, as, as long as I've had experience, I've felt that someone who can do great videography can do good enough photos and elevate their level of uh photo quality when needed but it's super hard because with a photo you're not you're not approaching it from telling that story you are with a video um so if i had to choose one or the other i'd choose a videographer you know there are so many i I, i'm finding a lot of people that are leaning towards photography and and i don't know if it's I don't want to say that it's easier because it's, it's certainly not. It has, it has nothing to do with skill level. Um, they each have their art. But I feel I'm finding a lot of people that are into photography applying for videographer jobs. Um, it almost feels like, I mean, in my eyes, and I'm mostly photographer, right? And I've, I've been shooting photos, you know, at all sorts of levels for a long time. Product photography stuff is basically all I've ever, I've ever done. In that yeah. regard, um, I've never shot a wedding. I've never shot, you know, a 15s. I've never done any of that. I've only shot product photography and I've shot product photography in studio. I've, sh- I've shot it on the water, you know, and, and, and that's just it. I mean, I can edit videos. I can, I don't have any problems doing it. I know final cut like the back of my hand, but I wouldn't consider myself a videographer. You know, I don't think that those skills translate maybe backwards the way you know because you're saying you you take a great videographer that can take pictures and i'm ta- I'm, I'm not, you know and i think the, the other way it doesn't work 
something about the videographer that takes like like something extra that they need to have to be into video. Yeah, I agree with that. Agree with that. And yeah, so now, I've just been been struggling with that part of it. Yeah, but been related, but not uh, directly. Uh, speaking of struggles, so with one of the clients, their graphic designer isn't what I feel to be a graphic designer, but more of a I learned Photoshop from YouTube videos. And again, not making fun of anyone, but when I was studying so you, graphic design, you're describing was, me. That's what you're doing. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> so when I was studying graphic design, it wasn't called graphic design. It was called communication arts, and that was both here and in Finland, and uh, or marketing communications, um, because what you're really doing is communicating between a business and a consumer, or a business and another business, or you know whoever the audience may be. But you're relaying a message. And there's basics to any anything. And, you know, what I always find with these projects is, you know, whatever it is, if it's a banner for, you know, a display ad online or if it's a brochure, you know, you should always have a list of goals so you can evaluate what is the priority here, what needs to be communicated. So it rubs me the wrong way when I see something that starts off with just uh, something, not even basic shapes, but something that starts off with just noise, just content, just maybe photos and something that looks cool before it, any, before any um, message is delivered. Maybe? Yeah. Any consideration is given to the message being delivered. Uh, to me, that's the complete backwards way of doing it. Um, so you're just trying to cram in the message at the very last moment. And, um, you know, you see it all the time with these guys who consider themselves to be graph designers, but really all they know is Photoshop and they don't know the very basics. And that's when it comes to anything, you know, photography or when it comes to videography, that's so easy to just know the software, but not have you know, in the videography, the story making skills or, you know, the planning, uh, knowledge of planning out, you know, a quick shoot. Um, it's it's important to find someone who's well balanced, you know, at everything. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, you know, that's sort of the struggle. And at the same time, you're trying to find them basically and realize that they're the right person in a single conversation which yep. is the whole interview process. And that is yep. so much even harder because it's, you know, you almost wish like they came recommended, you know, and that's a lot of times I feel like people do get appointed to jobs because they come recommended. And I could yep. totally understand yep. that because if you called me and said, Hey, I recommend so-and-so um, I'm going to listen to that, you know, and that has been sort of the, the struggle, but yeah, we'll just uh, keep trying to find that. But the optional assignment was uh, kind of like a very cutthroat thing for me when I when I put out the application, and it has yeah, if worked. Someone's, if someone's like not bothering worked. to do it, you know, that'd be a big red flag for me. Yeah, and um, so it's been good. It's been a good good tip that I can give if anybody's looking to hire somebody. Yeah, kind of it throw goes in back. a little curveball. Yeah, I think I had put a you know I requested code samples, and if the excuse of, oh, you know, everything I did was under NDA or I don't have any of my own code. 
right. that's just week. You could write up a project, you know, in a you know few hours time. I mean, there's uh, one one thing I've really been um, inspired about, and I don't know if I can pronounce this one wrong, but Caleb uh, Porzio of uh, No Plans to Merge. You know, some of the projects he's put out recently. You know, they started as little, I think, uh, just little challenges for himself to see, hey, can I make this happen? And then he's like, bam, 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 and we have Livewire. Um, and of course, he's taken time off, you know, from his career to focus on this and freelance. But uh, he's created some amazing, uh, sorry, there goes a word wrong, amazing projects, <laughs> amazing projects in a very short amount of time. I agree. I I I hundred percent agree. Um, and it's and it's it's amazing to see somebody kind of live out all of our dreams of just like quitting our job and just doing what we want to do, right? And uh, it's it's awesome to see. And I you know I respect them for that tremendously because you know it's not every day that you can you can find somebody who can just have the balls to do it. Really, that's really what it takes because you know the money you can save up enough and just do it. You know, but it's just to have the balls to say, you know what, I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> yep yep i don't absolutely. care if it makes money i'm just gonna do my own thing and that's that's incredible you know so i definitely commend him for that one of the things i wanted to actually carry over from last episode is we were talking about companies in europe and one of the companies my dad had a contract with uh it was delivering supplies uh to distribution centers or large facilities manufacturers etc uh just uh, consumable supplies for them. And uh, while they were at a pretty fixed uh, usage of these, meaning that you knew about every two weeks, you know, you were taking when things here. Out. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you had a pretty good idea. Um, there was enough variance that no two weeks really would be alike. Um but at some point, and this is a company that did hundreds of millions in revenue, um, they decided we want to optimize this and we want to make this automated and streamlined. And they spent millions and a few years of work on this, this uh, app that at the time ran on a Windows CE device. And okay. uh, they rolled these this. out to, to hundreds of uh, drivers, you know, all I think all operating as uh, subcontractors, you know, all private companies uh, with contracts. And um, the idea was that it would kind of like what UPS has is plan the route and just try to save on time, save on mileage, um, and just make things go efficient efficiently where they could track the drivers, et cetera. Um, there was some opposition, you know, drivers didn't like being tracked and they also didn't like you know having their route planned that way you know they felt after enough time that they had a pretty good idea of uh, how to do things but uh, it was a case where the people making these decisions weren't involved enough in the work being done okay and the the actual morning that the software went live and the drivers had been trained already on these devices what happened is a lot of these drivers would show up at their first stops, according to the software, and realize that the facility they were stopping at was actually closed, that they didn't open for a couple more hours. Oh, they and missed that part. the software would not let them go to the next one until this job was completed. 
Oh, man. So within, I think it was about two weeks, and I couldn't be remembering wrong, the whole project was scrapped. You know, they realized <laughs> that it was just so badly and poorly planned that it didn't work. And uh, I'd hate to be that guy who, you know, was in charge of rolling that out or, you know, creating it, rolling it out, and uh, now having to backtrack on that. But uh, I bring this up because last few weeks have been a little discouraging on on some uh, work. It's a bigger project I'm involved in, and and one of the stakeholders has been wanting to implement things that just don't align with with the long term roadmap. They're short term decisions uh, with the software that really could have a bad or make a bad, bad, uh, impact on it. And, um, you know, it's just a case of, you know, you're not working it. You're not using it the way your, your team's going to be using it. You're not listening to the feedback from the team, the, you know, people who actually are going to be doing all these various tasks. It's just a little disappointing. Um, especially, you know, given that they've gone down this road before with uh, negative consequences. But it's what it is, yeah, and you... I can only, you know, uh, you know, argue my best in, in this case. Yeah, one thing that, you know, from the from the first example you come up, one thing that comes to mind is like sort of unit testing versus feature testing. <laughs> I don't know if yep, you've seen yep. some of those memes where it's like, well, this is unit testing. It works. It's great. You already test the green, and then, you know, then you see a picture of the feature test and it's just somebody crashing off a highway or something because <laughs> there was no integration testing whatsoever. Yeah. So yep. really reminds me of that. And um, on a technical level of that, I, I've stopped writing unit tests altogether. So really? I've, wow. I've quit, I've quit unit testing. Um, okay. In this project that I've got right now, which I would say is my best work to date. I want, I want, I'll admit to that. I think that this project has really, I've really made some leaps and bounds um, with this source code and um, zero unit tests. It's all feature tests. And I've been able to find a way to test everything that I need to test through a feature test without unit tests. I'd love and to really see test, that. And really just, just test beyond just like, you know, does this road have white lines you know, but, you know, uh, uh, you know what I mean? That's, is that sort of that same scenario? It's like, okay, yes, this road has white lines, but, you know, you forgot to make it straight, you know, because yep, you yep. didn't realize the integration that needed to be done. Um, and and I think it, it does save a lot of time. I mean, the, the double testing, the unit testing, feature testing, you know, that's always difficult. But on the same thing, talking about, you know, sort of the decisions that you have to make, um whether it comes down from the stakeholders or it comes down from technology that's available or technology that you are, I know you're kind of going through this right now, so that's why I kind of mentioned it, but you know, so you're, you're having to use technology that you know you're going to strip out of the software later down the road, but it's what is currently there and what you need to be able to roll out a new application, right? And so that that sort of transitional time where you still have the old system and you have the new system and the new system kind of talks to the old system to yep, make yep. the transition a little bit easier. But unfortunately, as good as you can get on object-oriented programming, there are no ways that you can strip out 
you know, certain things about the application. And, you know, unfortunately, if the decisions are coming from, you know, like that, and it's one of those decisions that basically will take over the project and there's no way of really stripping it out without refactoring yeah, the whole what, entire project. What you're saying you know? is these, these shape the project, you know, and, uh, yes, you can't there just are decisions that shape, it. right. Yep, there yep, are decisions yep. that shape the process. It's like if tomorrow you decided, let's write this on Ruby on Rails instead. That's something that you can't strip out. You just can't refactor that. You know, it's, yep. it's all right, we got to start over. And there are decisions like that and they either make the product or they, or they break the product, you know, unfortunately. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate to see, you know, sort of good projects kind of be led in one wrong direction and kind of the whole thing kind of goes sour after that because of that. So a little bummed out for you that that's uh, kind of happening to you. Well, I hope you can I turn it around though, you know? Yeah. It reminds me of a bit of, um, you were in the past working, this was years ago, on a service platform for boat dealers. And um, the dealership in question, had uh, they had hired a new service manager. And he decided, absolutely no way, you know, and I think your project was about 75% done, you know, the rest of the team members were, were enjoying it and utilizing it, you know, waiting for uh, all the features and right. Uh, everything they relied on to be on it. But, but, uh, this new service manager said, absolutely no way, you know, we need to use the same software I had used in my previous role. And some, some money was spent in, um, bringing that software over and, uh, onboarding and training and service manager left after three months, you know, um, <laughs> I just, do remember that <laughs> it, was, it was amazing to watch. I still have that source code somewhere, by the way. But yeah, I mean, it, it happens, you know, when when you bring new folks in um, into projects or, or into companies, you know, and they, they get a say in the direction immediately, which is something you can't avoid. I mean, I, I don't know that there is a way for you to say, well, you cannot say a word for the first 90 days that you work here right until you prove that you're worthy of speaking yep, at yep. this meeting. You know, you can't do that because... You know, that, then that's micromanaging. You know, we hate that, right? I think everybody hates being micromanaged. And that feels a lot like that super controlling micromanaging because I'm your boss. I'm going to tell you exactly how it needs to be done. No real reason why, just because I'm your boss. Um, and we don't like that. So you can't do that. But, you know, at the same time, they come in with their ideas. Their, you know, what they feel they need to be successful, and, I, and I'm not doubting whether that's true or not. I'm just saying, you know, that's what they feel. But without knowing the company culture or having really absorbed anything of what's going on in the company, they walk in and make these decisions and, and things like that do tend to happen. And yeah, that project was pretty, it was going to be solid. I thought, I, I mean, I, not because I wrote it or anything, but I thought that project really had some legs under it that could have potentially been, been expanded to almost everything anything, that the yeah. dealership needed to do. Yep. So, would still definitely be running today. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, one thing, one technical thing about that project that I'll never forget, and to this day, I'm still not sure how this would be solved. Um, and it is, you know, when you have in a project like that, and, and I'm, I know people have solved this because obviously companies do it, but the one thing that I struggled with was pricing of a part. 
So when you have a part and you add it, right? You say, well, you add this part and it's $100 and then you invoice that part. But then down the road, the price of that part changes. How do you properly handle that price change? Because you can't change it, say, on the model. So I'd say that we were talking modern Laravel stuff. You can't change it in the model because if you did, then that invoice that you invoiced, you know, yeah, would would get retro changed and that would not be exactly what you want to do. So just wondering, um, I've never really found anybody that has done it and that I could ask what the algorithm is or the technicalities of it or how they do it. I mean, I know you've been doing some cascading stuff um, on databases where you have records that are partial records, but together with other partial records, create one complete record. Yeah. wonder if that's something that would be useful for this. So one thing uh, I use versioning for both options and they have pricing too. But what happens is say um, I build out a boat. So I have a boat model, but I build out where I'm picking and choosing options, you know, say one of your boats. So when that, that build out is saved, it's saving just the version of the option. And anytime new options are imported from say your manufacturer data from your APIs, uh, if there's any changes, a new version of that is recorded, new version of that item is recorded. So now we'll say we have, um, you know, version three and version four, and the only difference is the pricing. But when I go back to that build out, it knows to look for version three of it. It's a little, uh, it sounds more complicated than it is in explaining it. But, uh, you know, if you saw the database structure, it'd be pretty simple. How do you deal with the, I mean, how do you deal with the edge case? Because say that they go back and now they want to edit that record. Are you editing you know, say that I added an option in version four. Do you add that version four and then change all the pricing? Or do you just add the new option that was added, ignoring, you know what I mean? There's all these little edge cases yeah, there, when you're dealing are, with, with data that changes like that. That I just And I guess it comes down to the specific example. But yeah, if a new, intro, new option was introduced uh, only at version four, then yeah, it would come in. And the version isn't... Uh, a version of each option. The version is, you know, uh, a version of the group. Yeah, uh, basically, because with each import, the version number increases, but it, it will span multiple versions. So, um, man, I'd have to, I have to make an article on it, and and um, I think you should. Up. Yeah, yeah, I, I think you should. Is that this is the one thing about this the one project that you brought up from so many years ago that I still remember to this day. I've never encountered having to implement that ever again. And it's a really interesting edge case because there are we mentioned in the previous episode something about just finding sort of the it learning factor for a particular topic. I would yep. love to find and I don't know if it exists, and I hope it does. I hope somebody says, yeah, of course, it's right here. I would want to find the learning place for algorithms, not language dependent, just like, okay, so if you need to do A, B, C, here are some algorithms, some steps that you can, and not design patterns, because I'm not looking for design patterns. I'm looking for true implementations where somebody can show you what the steps are for implementing something like this, for example. So if you've got, 
you know, this, this is how you could handle it. You can make a second table. You could do this. You could do, you know, and I don't know if that's even possible because I mean, obviously there are infinite number of different applications, but in working through some exercises, I'm sure that you can deduce what you need for your own particular cases, you know, sort of seeing what these great solutions have been for these algorithms, how to fix this, how to, you know, you know, one thing I know you dealt with was, well, you know, you've got this boat and then the company sells the boat, but then the boat comes back in as a used boat. But this is technically the same boat. Same physical that boat. You yeah. ha- same physical property that is back into inventory. How do you deal with that? I mean, how how do they deal with that? You know, when when if you're looking at, you know, if, I don't know, just a random example at the Ford dealership. How does that particular program deal with it? And how is that maybe different from the program that they use at the Toyota dealership? You know, yep, yep. and what are the, the pros and cons and workarounds? And it would be super interesting if somebody, you know, has a has that or, you know, I guess maybe just start it. <laughs> I, yep. I'd read it. I'd You know, I'd love to find out what some of these solutions with all these now, small uh, edge cases. You know, you think about anything. You know, any great story and what people are interested in, or at least what I'm interested in, I know what you're interested in, is the solution to challenges. You know, it's so so awesome to see how someone else approached, you know, and especially if you were kind of on the same track, you're like, that's what I would have done. So, so yeah, Yeah. I definitely agree. I, I don't know if there's a resource, but it definitely sounds interesting. Yeah, I would love, I would love to find it. Because like I said, that's the one thing. And with every project, I almost always remember one thing that I learned or one thing that I was not able to solve the way that I think it should have been solved. And I always kind of kind of just lingers in my head. And, you know, to some of them, I've found solutions throughout the years. But, you know, that's that's yeah. one of those. Yeah, think about all the knowledge that uh, Basecamp shares um, just in – not not just development and programming challenges, but hiring a marketing director challenges and the new ways and the books they write. I mean, that is a company that uh, I'm just completely inspired by. Yeah, I know. Oh, man, I think this has been a good one. I like this yeah, me one. too. Me too. So we've talked a little bit about, about everything. So what do you yeah, say we call this? it on this one? Yeah, definitely. Let's call it... Um, and as usual, I'm going to add something to that uh, before we do. So what's funny is a few of the people that I spoke to who had listened to all of our episodes, you know, uh, Phil being one of them, you know, Phil's not Phil. a developer, Phil's not a you know, marketing guy. He, he knows a lot of market knowledge and he's got some great concepts and he's a, you know, very, very smart guy. But the fact that, you know, he's listening in and being entertained by it. That's awesome. Thank you, Phil. And then Thank Grant, you, Phil. Grant, you know, Grant a little bit. Um, Absolutely. You know, he said he's also listened to, to all the episodes and, you know, Grant's not a marketing guy, but he's an entrepreneur. Um, so I think he was getting a kick out of some of the stuff and he's starting to learn some development, focusing on Python, which I think is awesome, you know, using that to uh, better his business and, and uh, really get his hands dirty on, on some of the data he's working with and uh, it's awesome. But uh, yeah, always would love to hear, you know, the listeners out there, you know, what they're doing and what they're working on and please do share. Absolutely. 
Yeah. And what you want to hear more of, what you want to hear less of. I mean, we're always open to suggestions. Absolutely. But with that, let's call it a night. It's kind of getting kind of late here. So I'll let you do the outro. Go ahead, Yanni. All right. For Foreign Divs, this has been Yanni and Victor. We'll catch you next time as we count down our uh, journey to Laracon, Atlanta. Yes. See you later. Have a good one.